This is 105.9 The Region. There are so many ways of communicating these days, but nothing seems to beat the one-on-one. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Welcome to In Conversation. Thank you for being with us. This show is, in my view, upfront, up close, and full of optimism. And according to the dictionary, this word means an attitude reflecting a belief that the outcome will be positive, favorable, and desirable. The definition of an optimist is similar, a person who tends to be hopeful and confident about the future. Optimism during this pandemic has been tough for so many of us. Our world is upside down. It's a challenge just finding the proverbial tunnel, let alone the light at the end of it. Dr. Natasha Sharma, with a master's degree and a doctorate in psychology, has created safety nets for people in crisis through her understanding of emotional fitness and with her two pillars of hope, the eight-hour therapist and the kindness journal. But who or what has helped her find optimism and remain glass half full through her life's journey so far? Dr. Natasha Sharma joins us now in conversation. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. On paper, your life sounds perfect, but I know that it has been challenging for you here and there and through in and through out. Let's go back to when you first decided that positivity was the way to go for Natasha Sharma. I think for me, I don't think there was a, I think it was always a part of the way I approached life. And I've always believed that certain people, uh, and that was just luck, you know, I had nothing to do with that. I I sort of remember being a resilient child, even though I faced a lot of, um, you know, sort of typical childhood ups and downs that many of us do. Um, And then some more, some pretty intense ones actually in my childhood, but I always had sort of a natural approach to to life, which was just to bounce back. So I noticed that um, early on, but I think a more conscious decision came when I started to academically understand through my um, schooling and graduate, when I entered graduate school and started to train in in the field of psychology, is really from an academic standpoint, when a scientific, you know, understanding of how this mindset and um, approach to life is very beneficial. And then I began to sort of add and enhance to my own sort of natural way and just kind of even rewire some of my own uh, thinking patterns and behaviors to become even more in that vein and sort of approaching life, not in a way that denies problems and challenges because I've had many of those like everyone does and that's something I'm sure we'll talk more about, but just how... I am approaching problems and how I approach the challenges that come my way. I would say it's always been there and then I kind of took it to the next level and when I started, you know, schooling in my late 20s to become um, in the field of psychology. All very scientific, Natasha, but let's explore how you felt when you were fired from your first big job. Kick in the gut, (laughs) kick in the gut. How did you manage that? Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do at all in life, you know, like a lot of 18-year-olds, you know, and when, when you're sort of, that's the moment where you're deciding what to, I think a lot of people feel like that's when they have to decide that they have to do for the rest of their lives, which could conceivably be 80 plus years. So that's insane, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know. 
And I, I chose commerce and, and business, which was a wonderful education, but I entered the corporate world and it was a really a big misfit for me because, you know, um, I'm one to think independently and speak up. And what happened is I joined um, a big uh, corporation uh, right out of grad, uh, on my undergrad, and I began working and a very, you know, disconnected from it. I remember, you know, just, um, and part of the reason, part of the reasons that I was fired, if I'm being honest, it was twofold. One was completely me and what I was bringing to the table because I probably would have, like, especially as a business owner now, I probably would have fired me as well in a certain way because I used to show up late and I was just always a half an hour late and I, I wasn't attentive or connected to the work. I didn't, you know, I kind of did the bare minimum and it wasn't because I'm a bare minimum person by any means, but I just, I wasn't, I was in the wrong place and in the wrong type of work. So I wasn't the best employee to have on your team, you know, <laughs> um, and, and, and it showed and it was, that was clear and I'm completely accountable for that. But there were some other factors that were not within my control and, Unfortunately, I was in an environment that was very um, ageist and um, sexist, and I, uh, there was some um, actual harass, some sexual harassment that I, along and some of my colleagues, had endured at that role, um, which I eventually brought to the attention of um, the managers there. And I think that was the thing that really put the put the kibosh in it for me uh, with them. Because the day after I brought it to their attention, um, they kind of brought me into that, you know, ominous meeting. We need to talk, and then there's HR in the room, and they walk you out. And it was, it was really, it was as a someone in their early twenties, it was, it was very discombobulating, and I didn't understand the ramifications of what had happened in terms of why and the how and the sequence. But, um, but yeah, so and 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 that was. That was actually one um, position that I was let go, the first position that I was let go from. And I think I was let go from another one uh, at some point. I had a few corporate jobs um, trying different things and before I went and ultimately kind of stopped for a year and said, okay, this isn't working. What do I really want to do <laughs> with my life? And that's eventually when I did go back and, and start to study psychology and, and build my way up to here. But I think I was fired, a co- I know, I know I was fired at least a couple of times. And um, that first one was, was my first job straight out of undergrad. You also quit a job that, in, in your view, was a job that millions of girls would kill for. That's a quote. That's not mm-hmm. from me. And you moved from the UK. You'd been working in London. You quit you decided to go back to mm-hmm. Canada. A lot happened in between. I understand that this may have been considered one of the lowest points in your life, but do you also see that low point means turning point? Yeah, I think so. That was the last corporate job I held ever. And um, it was, I thought if I moved um, halfway across the world and to a city, I've always wanted, I'd always wanted to live in Europe. And it was an incredible experience. It was life-changing to be there. But I thought the change of geography would solve all my problems, you know, that, that fundamental disconnect. Of, I just didn't feel um, good about what I was doing, and, and, and it wasn't a fit. So I went over there trying to find that, and um, I worked with another big 
very large cosmetics company. And it was on paper, it was the, and maybe even in reality, a certain kind of a job. I think I borrow the line from that film, The Devil Wears Prada, that a million girls were killed for. I was flying business class around the world and meeting celebs and having these glamorous parties. And it was, um, it was, it was pretty incredible in a certain way. But for me, again, I, I still was left with that, um, disconnect and, and it, it wasn't the kind of, um, um, problem at a level where I was struggling for my basic needs or, or, or my survival, but it was very much of an, almost an existential thing. And, and um, quarter life crisis, so to speak. So, and I did, I did sort of really feel that culmination or that build up to a really um, a low place and very uh, depressed kind of a mood. And that ultimately, you know, walking away. I've always said that walking away from something that isn't good for us or, or is really horrible or awful or really hard is not as difficult as walking away from something that doesn't appear that way to the outside world. You know, the kind of job that people would tell me all the time, this is incredible. Like, look at you flying everywhere and doing all this stuff and you make pretty good money. And, and it's, it, I thought it was much harder actually in some ways to walk away from, from that. And I, and I did, and it was, that was not easy, but I thought if I don't change something, if I want something to change, I have to radically change something. Mm. So that's, that's what I did. So thus, from low point to turning point. So at what stage and how did you finally understand and embrace the power of positive thinking, the power of optimism? Um, I think it's not something that I consciously woke up and said, I'm going to think this way. I think like most people in this world, I still endure, I still go through challenging feelings. And especially this past year, I'm no stranger to them, you know, uh, even doing what I do. I have the toolkit, certainly, and the knowledge, some knowledge and, and awareness and expertise that can really help me and maybe those around me, but I, I still go through and experience things um, in very similar ways. It's just that my approach to how I'm going to handle it is different, and that's really how I think of um, being positive and being optimistic. It's this overall sense of relative peace and calm that at the end of the day, you can go, I can go to sleep relatively at peace. Maybe not every single night. That's not, that's okay, you know, but most of the time and wake up that way as well. Can and, you, and I can deal with the problems that occur in between as they come. So can you help us, those of us who are, are listening to you right now? I'm one of them. There are hundreds of thousands of other people listening right now. We're in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You have that toolbox to help us understand how negative we may feel and how do we find hope and optimism right now? Is there something, is there an exercise that we can do? Can we clear our minds so that we can go to sleep at peace every night? How do we do that, Natasha? I think it's a few different things. I've certainly 
been using many of these things my own self, you know, um, as I've found some of these days and moments to be very challenging, um, ups and downs, you know. And I think one of the first things is to acknowledge that it's okay to be up and down. I mean, not you don't want to be all over the place, but, you know, it's very natural over this past year, and we're still um, a ways out, you know. We, there's still a lot of uncertainty. So just acknowledging that, you know, um, we don't, enjoy this. It is our reality. We have to accept it for now, but it's, it's completely natural to not really, um, to feel this discomfort in this kind of environment and just validating that. The second thing that I have been doing myself and, and advising others to do is to try to take things one day at a time instead of this macro level. So, um, we, we're looking at this as like the marathon of all marathons, and we don't even know where we are in this marathon. Maybe we're at the halfway point. I think we have to bring it back and scale it back to more micro level for the most part. Just, you know, I'm just here to get through this day. I'm just, I'm making this day great. This day is going to be as great as I can make it. Maybe some things will come up, maybe some problems, maybe some challenges, and I'll deal with them. But then I'm just, my, my focus is I'm going to get to tomorrow, and tomorrow is another chance, and it's another day. And when we bring it, when I bring it back to this day by day, that really helps me um, connect more to the present, but also stop living so much into the future. It's okay to be future oriented, but we can become future obsessed, and future obsessed is not good. So to that end, my third tip is uh, that I also do myself is I don't listen or watch a lot of the news, and. I try to stay informed, of course, and I find that most important things will come to me anyway through other people, but I don't consume a ton of news. And I find this extremely helpful, especially now more than ever. And um, connected to that, I also don't talk at length about the pandemic with people. So I have lots of playground uh, parents that I'm standing around while my kids play or outside and I have lots of friends and so forth. And when we get into conversations, I, I know sometimes they'll steer it in that direction and I try not to tell them what to talk about, but I'll just kind of step on the outside of it and go somewhere else in my head until they're done because I don't think it's healthy to continue rehashing and hashing the same, turning out the same kind of conversation. And I find that we're just doing that a lot more and more nowadays like oh did you read that oh this is what's happening oh you know wow this is the year from hell and i've heard all kinds of stuff and it's just repeating over and over again so that's one thing that i highly recommend for people and i've i've really done that um and then the last thing is very powerful and that's why i saved it for the end is um everything passes in life like everything and all of the good passes too (laughs) <laughs> that's the thing, right? I mean, we're having a, a time in our lives where it's very easy to focus on what's not good and all the bad and all the negative. And um, even though there's, of course, a lot of good stuff that's happened for all of us over the last year, I'm sure. Um, and we, all of it is going to pass. Every uh, thing that we are is a manifestation of our thoughts and what we think. And we're here as thinking beings for a very short time and whatever we're going through now, it, it's not going to last forever. It won't. It just can't. It has not in the past and it's not going to last now either. So in the grand scheme of things, 
this pandemic and things that we're going through, it's going to be over soon, relatively. Relative to the grand scheme of human history, this is going to be over really soon. Now, I don't mean tomorrow or next week or next month soon, but soon. And I find that it, it helps to remember that all things pass, both good and not so good. Wow. Deep breath. I've got to inhale and exhale listening to all that you have said, and I can't thank you enough, Dr. Natasha Sharma, for opening up your life to us, your ups and downs, but also offering us some suggestions on how to cope, how to find optimism through this pandemic. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. When we come back, Optimist International. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Is there someone you want to learn more about? Drop us a line. Info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer will be right back on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation with Ann Romer on 1059 The Region. As we all look to find something to be optimistic about during these dark and difficult days, an organization founded long before the pandemic hit has shifted into high gear, working round the clock and all over the world to try to help people find joy, purpose and positivity in their lives. And quite frankly, it's working. Optimist International is the name of the organization and its district governor for Central Ontario, York Region's Jennifer Krizel joins us now in conversation. I understand that this is a very special day for you and Optimist International, Jennifer. Yes, it is. Today is World Happiness Day, Anne, and Optimist International President Mark Weintoff has asked every club to celebrate it in their community in some way. So we, we're all busy today being <laughs> happy and getting it out there. Well, I'm glad you took time to join us in conversation. How are you celebrating today, your club? Um, well, today, our club, we're doing a picture contest on Facebook, and uh, we're, it's, it's homemade art that we're going to judge for kids and give out little prizes and things like that, and it's all online. Um, as you know, we've had to learn how to be online in the last year for pretty much everything that we do, and uh, a lot of clubs are doing, there's also a music contest, and the Optimist Club of Newmarket has sponsored a young man from New York High School who entered the music optimi- uh, competition internationally. So we're excited to see how he's going to do. And there's all kinds of things happening today on the Optimist International website for Happiness Day. Well, I'm optimistic that student will do very well, particularly with your support. So, Jennifer, let me ask you a personal question. Were you born positive? Are you a born optimist? (laughs) If you were to ask my mother that question, I think she would tell you that uh, I like to stir the pot. Um, I was always a busy kid who did everything for holidays. You know, I was the kid that transformed our yard into a graveyard on Halloween. And my house at Christmas time kind of looks like Santa's workshop threw up over Bethlehem. And so in everything that I did, it was over the top. Um, how I became an optimist, though, was actually a little darker. Um, I have not darker. I have a son with autism. And you know, when you have kids with autism, very often the, the whole family has a certain level of anxiety. And um, when you're dealing with behaviors, and I have a son with or a daughter with anxiety disorders, my husband and I have anxiety dealing with the school system and all the things that you face as a parent of a kid with special needs. And finally, one day I, I got fed up with all of the hardship of it, if you will. And I said, you know what? That's it. We need, some, we need something good here. I'm getting us in the parade. 
And, of course, my husband thought I was crazy, but he goes along with me as he has for 25 years, you know. Um, and we were talking about it in our local restaurant, which at that time was called the Golden Flame in Richmond Hill. And it was like the painting place for Richmond Hill to go for breakfast. And the owner overheard. And he said, hey, I'm part of the Optimist Club. We used to own the parade. So that's how we got involved. And I said, well, I have my son's autism class, and I think those kids should be on a float waving their hearts out. Oh. And, and we went, and he said, well, present that at a meeting, and we'll see if we'll sponsor it. I said, okay. He introduced us as Optimist Peter and Optimist Jennifer. Mm -hmm. And we presented, and I was all excited and giddy. You know, all my kids are going to be in a parade. Um, when I left, I said, did, did we just join the Optimist Club? <laughs> And my husband said, yeah, I think we did. <laughs> and we never looked back after that. <laughs> so obviously that journey, that, that all the series of events that led to you joining the Optimist Club, that has really helped you and your husband, Peter, and your family, your, your everything that you're doing, your outlook, your, your, you've harnessed your positivity. But Optimist International and the Optimist Club that you are district governor for, you do yes. so many things for so many other people and organizations to make yes. their lives better. Can you explain? So one of the things that we have a foundation of is something called the Optimist Creed, and you can find it anywhere on the web if you Google it. And it's just a series of positive thinking that helps you move forward. Um, but... The Optimist mission is to provide hope and positive vision, bring out the best in youth, our communities, and ourselves. Um, one of the things that we do, I mean, we do all the, the community service projects, breakfast programs, and safety programs, um, you know, oratorical contests, and scholarships, and, and clothing drives, and anything that any particular community needs, that community club sees the need and fills it. So what's, what's in downtown Toronto might not need what northern Oshawa needs so or northern Creswick, you know. So they, they fill the needs in that community. Do you find that helping others helps you as well? Oh, girl, <laughs> let me tell you. So right now um, I work in the educational system and um, my anxiety has been through the roof. Uh, personally, I'm a germaphobe. So working during a pandemic has been one of my personal nightmares. And so in order to try and cope with my anxiety attacks and things like that, and any time that we face a really difficult situation, um, there were times uh, now, even now, and, and I know that there's out there somebody that needs to hear this, who is facing panic attacks and anxiety, who are afraid to leave because of the pandemic, or who are isolated and having anxiety attacks. There were days we didn't want to leave our house because my son's behavior was so bad during a transition, or, you know, it, it just got so rough. And we maybe we made a commitment to go and help at a barbecue or pick up bags of used clothing or whatever it is that we had on the go. And I would cry all the way there, saying, I don't want to do this. The last thing I want to be is optimistic. I'm so tired. And, and the other half of me go, fuck up. You made a commitment. Just go and do it. And I would go. I would flip burgers. I'd change garbage. I'd do whatever I had to do in the activity for the community. And when I left, I felt so much better. Yeah. 
Because sometimes you can't do anything about what's going on in your life if you've lost a parent or, God forbid, a child or you're facing sickness or whatever the case, whatever's on your plate. Sometimes you just can't do anything about it, but you can make a difference in your community and simple things will lighten your load and give you the power to push through what you're facing. People are doing the best they can and you do get the odd grumpy person, but for the most part, I I enjoy when I see... um, People trying to be kind to other people because it's so difficult. So, you know, we're at a grocery store and the cashier is getting flustered. This actually happened to me yesterday. And uh, one guy was getting a bit huffy. And the lady that followed him said, honey, it's a different world. Take a breath. I'm not in a hurry. Hmm. And I felt so good about that because I thought this is what we need. This is what it means to bring out the best in ourselves as optimists. You know, so we work for kids, but we work for each other, too. Why should someone join Optimist International? Optimist International has been the best-kept secret for 100 years. We celebrated our 100 years last year, and we just opened up our 19th club in Nepal. So now we are truly worldwide, and we have clubs all over the world. It is the simplest way to make a difference in your community, but to meet other people and to find a reason to keep going and give back. You receive as much as you give. And, you know, it might be cheesy to say that children are our future, but they really are. And no matter what time you have, even if it's only five minutes, every drop raises the ocean. We talked about why. How does someone find out more about Optimist International? In every community, especially within North America, there is a local Optimist Club. If you cannot find a local Optimist Club, you can go to their Facebook page, and on the Optimist International Facebook page, you will see all the links to their YouTube channel, their website, And anyone there will get you in touch with your closest Optimist Club, and they would be happy to receive you uh, with open arms to start being a a friend and a member of the community. Jennifer Krizel, I know you end every note with yours in optimism, YIO. Thank you so much for joining us, I see, in conversation. Thank you so much, Anne, for allowing me to share my optimism with everybody, and happy Happiness Day. (laughs) I got to thank Jennifer Krizel, Optimist International, and Dr. Natasha Sharma. So positive, so optimistic. This song is for the two of you. Bye for now. It's going to be a bright, 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 sunshine. It's going to be a bright, 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 sunshine. Follow In Conversation with Ann Romer on Twitter at 1059 The Region. This is 1059 The Region.